Thanks for joining us today. I'm Safia Kazi, and I'm the Principal of Privacy Professional Practices at ISACA. And joining me today is a very special guest. Steve Ross, Executive Principal at Risk Masters International, is here to discuss his recently released ISACA journal column, Information Security Matters, Advertising Information Security. Thanks so much for being here today, Steve. Oh, you know, it's a pleasure. So to get us started, can you talk a little bit about the current state of information security advertisements? What do they look like right now? And have you noticed an increase or decrease in them over just the last few years? Well, it's, it's I, I, I can't speak for the advertising industry as a whole. I'm an American, so I get to watch American television. It may be totally different in other parts of the world. But I can say that I was glued to the television set for a particular sporting event that happened to be the U.S. Open tennis tournament. And, you know, you get inundated with commercials between every every two games. And there was one after the other where somebody was promising me that if we just bought their hardware and software that we would get all our cybersecurity problems solved. And another one that said, uh, oh, if, if you just can get consultants from us, uh, we'll get you privacy. This was notable to me because both of those companies were places that I've worked before. So I was, you know, sort of predisposed towards in, in favor of them. But the, the silly thing is that, as I said, I, I think it's implicit in your question. There's, I can remember a time when there was no advertising for security. There was no budget for security. You, you, you. Uh, I was one of the first professionals in that space in, in in the commercial world, and nobody really understood what what it was you were doing and how you were adding to the company's value. And uh, to turn around and suddenly see, well, not sudden, but it's reasonably sudden that in the past few years, people are advertising security. What was notable to me, and I, sus I suspect I'm uh, jumping ahead of your questions, is that these were all, all um, advertisements for vendors, vendors of hardware, software systems, services, com you know, computer services. What, what I didn't hear was from banks and brokerage firms and manufacturers and hospitals and government agencies saying, you know, come do business with us. We'll keep your data secure because we have all these products that were being sold by the, the vendors that I just talked about. And I, I did spend some amount of time uh, scratching my head and saying, why is that? Which led to the article in, in question. So the average person who maybe isn't working in security or very technical might be getting certain ideas from the ads that they're seeing. What kind of beliefs do you think the average person might develop from info security advertisements? And is it possible that some of those ads are harmful? Well, I've got some issues with the premise. I, I think that the, what do you call them, the average person? I don't know what that is, an average person anymore. But I think people are very conscious of cybersecurity, information misuse, or you know, the misuse of their information, particularly, of course, private or personal information. The, uh, I think an evidence of that is uh, there was recently a, uh, 
a failure with the, the airline systems across the country. And the immediate reaction of commentators on the radio, people calling in was, oh my God, it's a cyber attack. You know, that's the first thing people think of. And I think people are very conscious about the fact that their private information is either being misused or is capable of being misused. So, as I say, I think the, the issue at hand is not that people are uh, uneducated. I think that they are educated enough that the, the vendor community thinks that there are a sufficient number of, of people listening to a sports event or watching a sports event, a sports event that they uh, would react positively and say, oh, I'll, I'll buy that. You know, I'll, I'll go out to this, this company and buy their equipment or I'll go to that consultant and buy their, uh, their consultants. I remember a few years ago, I was listening to an ad on the radio that said, our product can help you prevent 100% of cyber attacks, which is a wild claim to make. Yeah. I'm curious, can you talk a little bit about some of the messaging that we see in advertising? Is it true? Is it hyperbolic? And how can companies get away with saying that they can prevent 100% of cyber attacks? Well, let's let's start with, with your statement there. All advertising is hyperbolic. <laughs> Sure. I mean, I, I think I said in the article, I've, for years I've been uh, being told that if I only if I only bought the right things, I'd be healthy, wealthy, sexy, and wise. And so far, none of them have helped. But the, you know, how long ago was it that uh, Mick Jagger told us that if we only smoked the right cigarettes, we'd get all those things too? The the fact is that we are all conditioned, I believe, to listen to advertising and say, okay, yeah, right. If, but if it's only half true, that, that's the point. Where I find it interesting and more worth talking about is that there is a market, a mass market. You know, this was the U.S. Open tennis tournament. There were millions of people watching. The and I'm sure it's true, except that I, you know, I, I don't watch much football, but I'll wait for uh, the Stanley Cups, and then we'll, I'll be seeing the same ads for the hockey teams. I do think that there is enough understanding and responsiveness in the in the general public marketplace that people are open to listening to somebody who says. That okay, I will. I'm not going to get rid of 100% of my cyber attacks. I know how to get rid of all my cyber attacks. Don't open my computer. It's real simple. The marketplace itself is demonstrating the knowledge of people, and I think the the vendor community, as I say, is responding to that. What I speak to in my article is that. It is not so much the people who are trying to sell security as the ones who are trying to sell a product or service who are not yet stepping up to say, if you bank with me, if you trade stocks with me, if you go to my hospital, if you, if you, whatever, you, know, if you go to my school, your data is safe with us. Don't worry about it. 
And the question is, why not? Yeah, one of the really interesting things in your column that you said is that marketing executives conclude that it pays not to advertise the strength of their information security. Why is that the case? Well, it goes to the heart of the problem that security people have faced for as long as I've been doing this business, and that goes back more than a few semesters. The burden of proof falls on the criminals and the terrorists. We've got a great security program until the day when we get attacked. Oh, maybe it's not such a great security program. Well, it was a great security program, but I don't care if you're the biggest bank, the biggest brokerage firm, the biggest healthcare company, the biggest whatever, you are not going to be big enough and have the resources that foreign, well, not just foreign governments, governments have, and quite frankly, terrorist groups have, who are intent on breaking into your systems and getting your data and, oh, these days, getting your money to pay to get your money, get your data back. So I I think that's, that's the underlying problem. And it prevents anyone from advertising how great their security is for fear that the next week that whole messaging will be undermined by some criminals. In fact, I think it's, well, I didn't say this in the article, I think it's probably tempting fate to say, come work, you know, buy from us and your data will be safe. Oh, well, let's go get those guys. We'll show them. So I think that's part and parcel of the same issue. Yeah, earlier today I was doing a LinkedIn Live with people and we were talking about privacy and they said that one of the reasons some organizations might not want to come out and say it is because illustrating how good our privacy is might put the idea into consumers' heads that, oh, could I be subject to a privacy breach or a security breach? You know, they might not even be thinking about it. Um, Do you agree with that? Do you think there's maybe some reluctance to talk about it just because we don't want to have people associate the fact that giving us their data might result in some kind of a breach? I, I, think, I think that's a major part of it. I think also that marketing executives, are, they don't even have the vocabulary to talk to us security geeks. And to be fair, we don't have the vocabulary to talk to the, to the marketing people so that what you what you find is a certain degree of how do i tell this technical message in such a way that we look good and don't raise the possibility of not looking so good so that your point of would we not be attracting attention to the potential for misuse of information or ransomware or you know the, the whole litany of horrible things that can happen. I think that's realistic. Quite frankly, as I, as I go on to say, I don't think that's the way we should be marketing security anyway. Yeah, so practically speaking, what might better security marketing look like in your opinion? Warm and fuzzy. <laughs> I'm serious about that. We, we have from, 
from the beginning of the security as a profession that as far as I know, we have used the imagery of guns, guards, and dogs, locks, machine guns, anything that says protect, 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 that there's somebody trying to break in and we're going to stop that from happening. Uh, two, twofold problem. Number one, it's a very negative image. Number two, it's one that we can't live up to. It's, this, it's the 100% of all cyber, cyber crimes that we can prevent. No, we can't. I am saying that rather than using the policeman as, a, as a, uh, an avatar for security, we should be using the school crossing guard, somebody that's helping us, somebody who's doing good things for us, somebody who's working on our behalf. And that, I believe, is something that's doable, but not being done, number one. Number two, long before we try to sell security in the open marketplace, I think that's, that's an effort that has to be faced by security professionals within their own organizations. I think it's time that the that we stop using military imagery of, you know, attack surfaces and, you know, attack vectors and dwell time, using all this military speak that, quite frankly, unless I'm sure there's people in the, in the military who do information security who know what those terms mean and can use them appropriately, we just, there's too many of us who just like to make it uh, look sort of like, uh, top Gun. Um, I was never real good at flying airplanes. Yeah, I think that might also help the previous question I asked about, you know, are people going to hear about it and suddenly be concerned that their information is going to be misused? But if we soften some of the imagery around it, that could help. Right. But that's the whole point. Safia, we're, we're here. And I say we, we security professionals, we IT auditors, we risk managers all the membership of ISACA, what do we do? You know, we are providing a service that is of value to the broader community and, of course, of value to our employers and they, in turn, to the broader community, that we've got to be shown to be contributors to that, that positive service. Yeah, I know in your article you talked about maybe having the CISO or people on the security team get involved with advertising efforts and really help illustrate to customers how their information is being kept secure. Have you seen advertisements like that? I'm just curious what that might look like in practice. No, I have not. Uh, I'm advocating for it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it, it, it requires a change of perspective. What I can say is about a decade ago, uh, I wrote a book for ISACA on creating a culture of security. And that's when I first came to this realization that, that we are, if you want to create a culture of security, you've got to make it into something positive, not something that simply exists to stop external bad guys. Well, the external bad guys are not knocking on the door every day or every week or every month or maybe every year. So you go this long period of time saying we're investing a whole lot of money in 
you know, keeping the bad guys out of Dodge, that's, that's a technical term for people overseas, keeping the bad guys away from doing harm when it's not really the issue of the bad guys, it's the good guys using information for the purposes for which it was intended, only for the period of time in which it was intended, and then getting rid of it when we don't need it. Yes, did that sound an awful like the definition of privacy? Sure it is, because that's what the mass market is, is, is interested in, my information. But it's just as valid for corporate information or financial information or other, you know, uh, secret formulas as it is for uh, personal information. Yeah. And so if an organization has had a high profile security breach, what are your strategies for advertising and messaging post security incident? How can they go about leveraging communication to regain trust? Well, there's been a lot written on that. I, I'm not really an expert in that space, but number one, um, you need to be open and candid and not try to, to dress up what happened. Focus on, on how you are going to recover from it and what are you gonna do to the people who have been harmed. The problem, and this, this goes over the line of security or I don't know if it goes over a line, but it certainly focuses on privacy. When persons' private information has been stolen, it's not coming back. It's stolen. And that's, that's a hard one to deal with. What most companies have, have done when this has occurred is, number one, tell everybody that the privacy, you know, the the security of your information is our number one priority. Well, if it was number one priority, why did it happen? And number two, we will give you a year's worth of credit monitoring in case anybody's using your information. Now, I know for a fact that I'm getting an awful lot of, uh, let's just say junk email, uh, spam, um, every day because somewhere along the line, my email address was obtained. So that is that word. I know how much I've got because I, you know, every few days take a look at literally the thousands of messages that have already been put into spam, into junk, um, because I, I notated them. And then if they try again, it goes there. But I get a lot of, uh, how do I phrase this for a mass audience? A lot of weird stuff. Yeah, and I know earlier in our conversation, you alluded to sometimes security professionals and marketing professionals just aren't quite speaking the same language. So no. what, are, what are some strategies for the security professionals who are listening to this and saying, yes, we do need to rebrand? How can they go about explaining this and explaining what the benefits would be to a marketing team who's typically used to branding information security with, you know, the padlocks and the guard dogs and all of that imagery that you discussed previously? Well, I think first of all is to, is to recognize what, what the issue is and go to the marketing people and say, I think, I think we've got a good story to tell. Cause as I say, an awful lot of organizations don't want to, market or, or uh, emphasize security 
for a variety of reasons, including not being a target and, and so on. We've already discussed that. But say, look, I think we've got a good story to tell. I don't think we're telling it well. How can we work together to make this happen? Because the marketing department is also working primarily, I guess, with sales and working with executives and working with legal and working with all other aspects in the organization. Security is not number one on the list, I don't think. But as, as the, the vendor community has shown, security and privacy sell. I don't want to mention particular companies, but if the big consulting firms and, our, and accounting firms and uh, software manufacturers and hardware manufacturers can, can see that there is potential for revenue in, in that regard, then so can the buyers if it's portrayed correctly. Yeah, and then before we wrap up, is there anything else that you wanted to add about this column that you didn't have the chance to talk about yet? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the way it works, uh, these columns, I, I get them in two to three months before they're published. And the editor, Morita, always, Morita Jasper, I should give her a full name, um, always reviews them lays them out and then sends them back to me so that I can make sure that she didn't edit something in such a way that that uh, changed the meaning. And uh, you know, over the years we've got a great working relationship and we we spend more time talking about grammar than we talk about security. But I never pay attention to the picture that you that, that goes along with the the article. This time in preparing for this discussion I reread it and I looked at the at the uh, at the article and there's that big statement of let's use positive imagery and what's the image in the in the picture a lock I've got more educating to do <laughs> Absolutely but you are fighting the good fight Steve Okay thanks Well thank you so much for joining us in this conversation Oh my pleasure that's all we have time for in this episode of the podcast. But if you're curious to hear more from Steve, be sure to check out his recent ISACA journal column, and you can find the link for that in our episode description. I'm Sophia Kazi, and thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the ISACA podcast.